and welcome back to the Turning 30 podcast, a place where we talk about what it's really like to turn 30. I'm your host, life coach, Emma Wilson, and I'm here to help you feel better, get unstuck, and be more confident at 30. I am really excited to introduce this week's guest to you. This is the second installment of a series that I'm doing on this season of the podcast where I am interviewing a variety of different dating experts and relationship experts who operate in the coaching world to try and bring to you a host of different point of views and practical skills and tools that you can use to enhance your dating life and your relationships in your 30s. This week's guest has actually been coined one of the UK's most successful love coaches, according to the Times magazine. I am really excited to welcome Persia Lawson onto the Turning 30 podcast. Let me introduce Persia. She is the author of Love is Coming, How to Find Real Love in a Superficial World, and the creator of her top 10 podcast, Love is Coming. Via her online courses and coaching programs, Persia has supported thousands of women to radically transform their love lives from the inside out. Persia currently lives in Surrey with her fiancé Joe and their golden cockapoo puppy Reggae. Whether you are currently looking to date or you're already in a relationship or you just are curious to hear Persia's story, you're going to absolutely love this episode. Persia is so full of life. I absolutely love listening to her podcast, so it's such a pleasure to host her here. So without further ado, let's welcome Persia to the Turning 30 podcast. Hi, Persia, and welcome to the Turning 30 podcast. Hello, very happy to be here. I have binge listened to the Love Is Coming podcast the past few weeks, so I actually feel like I already know you, even though this is the first time we're probably speaking. But yeah, I've just really loved all of your podcast episodes, and I'm really excited to dive into Turning 30 and Love Is Coming. Thank you. It's always lovely to hear someone's enjoying the podcast. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, of course. So tell me a little bit about your journey to becoming a dating coach. Okay, I will try and do the short version of this because it, you know, I can make it last days. But in a nutshell, I'll start by saying I'm like the least likely person to have become a love coach because I was a disaster in my love life for such a long time. And the reason for that is growing up, my parents struggled with drug addiction. And my way of coping was two things. Boys, because it gave me that escapism and validation. And it was also, this is a kind of side note, but I was also like, total overachiever at school like did every every extracurricular thing like had to be the best and so both of those were a way of me sort of avoiding the pain and confusion that I was feeling at home what was interesting is so you know I was active with boys from a very young age but when my parents they both got sober when I was around sort of 15 16 and that's when things kind of got worse for me actually because suddenly I had this like perfect family life. I remember going into sick form and it was just amazing. And I, I couldn't quite believe it. And it was so strange to me that, you know, I basically went and recreated all the drama and chaos that I was used to inside the family home. 
in my romantic life. So from between sort of teenagers and mid twenties, it just got increasingly more dramatic to the point where, you know, I'd always have a boyfriend, but I was always cheating, literally cheating on everyone. I was an actress as well, of course, and I was traveling a lot and I had boyfriends, you know, in every continent. I ended up giving my Russian boyfriend, whose father was a KGB general, chlamydia, and he threatened to have me killed, which I'm sure he wouldn't have done, but he could have done if he wanted to. So that was quite scary. And it was just like a series of ridiculous dramas constantly and it kind of really I started to hit rock bottom when I found myself working at a gentleman's club as a hostess so it was a strip club basically and I got sexually assaulted one night in there and that just led to sort of the pinnacle of my self-destruction and I put I went on I did an acting job after that in Shanghai for two months and I put on two stone in those two months and that was actually the biggest blessing in disguise because that's the one thing I couldn't hide I could hide you know I was I I wouldn't say I was a cocaine addict, but I definitely, it was my vehicle for then acting out with guys. So yeah, I could hide all of that sort of stuff from my family, but I couldn't hide the rapid weight gain. So basically my dad took me um, to Thailand on a sort of yoga health retreat he goes to every year, well, pre-pandemic. And he said, while we were there, he said this thing that completely changed my life. He said, focus on the insides and the outsides will take care of themselves. And when I was on that trip, my friend had also given me this book, like really randomly called Women Who Love Too Much by an American therapist called Robin Norwood. And it was just so life-changing. It was like, I I was ready to finally look at this stuff. And it, it, for me, the way into self-development and wellness and all of these things, self-love was through my romantic life. And so long story short, again, that then just led me beginning of 2011. So God, over a decade now to this whole incredible journey. I had a couple of relationships in that time, had my heart broken, got cheated on, found myself in a relationship with an addict who was six months out of rehab, but it was, you know, he was working on himself and that was so new for me. So we were, we had this year of very sort of tumultuous, passionate relationship, but also learning so much. And eventually when we broke up in gosh, mid 2011, I just knew, like, I knew that I wasn't meant to act anymore. And that was a really hard realization for me because that's all I'd ever known when I was growing up. And, and I, at this point, gosh, I was, what, 26, I think. And I just knew that I was meant for something else and, and started a positive lifestyle movement with a friend called Addictive Daughter. And then that led to a book deal which was ended up being called Be In A Fix. And we got a lot of press attention because we were, you know, this was back in 2012 we started. So people weren't really talking about stuff like they are now. And long story short, in 2016, that book came out. We had a lot of TV companies wanting to do shows with us. And then me and my business partner actually had a chat and we realized that we'd come to the end of the road. And it was really hard because it meant walking away from all that success, but it just didn't feel right to continue. And by this point, I was a year into my relationship with my now fiance, who I met in summer of 2015 at the festival. And we, it was the most ridiculously magical like experience of how we met. I mean, that's, that's a whole other episode. There's not enough time to go into that. But what I realized when a year later, when my business partner and I sort of walked away from what we'd built was I just knew I was meant to help women purely around relationships. That's what we'd been doing a lot anyway, but we'd been helping women with quarter life crisis. So I just knew it was like relationships is the area that I struggled the most and where I've, you know, also experienced the, the biggest transformation. So yeah, now I'm over six years in with my fiance. We were supposed to get married last year, but obviously COVID and then this year and then COVID. So now next year and we've 
bought a house and moved out to the countryside, but I also have a place in London and we've bought a little cockapoo puppies. And I, I sometimes just can't believe that this is my life, but I've worked really hard for it. And it's my biggest joy. And it just fulfills me so much to do the work I do in helping women transform their own love lives. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And I know we're here today to talk specifically about being in your 30s and finding a relationship and and finding love. But actually what I love about your story is the twists and turns of your 20s that resulted in when you were turning 30. I'm not exactly 100% sure of all the birthday dates and everything and how it all marries up, but it sounds to me like you are such a good candidate for, you know, my audience to listen to about how things not turning out exactly as you thought they would Mm. during your 20s and then as you were turning 30 things falling a bit more into place but again probably still in your early 30s taking more even more twists and turns to finally get to where you are now I mean the journey's endless right you know yeah it's not just because okay now you've found your passion of helping women in relationships and in love that that's it that's the end of the story but it's a really nice story to hear And I think so many listeners will resonate with just things kind of not taking the conventional path, but ending up being for good in the end. Oh, 100%. You know, life is an adventure. I've got this saying, surrender to the festival. And obviously, every time I say it, I get shivers. I've got this necklace. I've got, I like did a collaboration with a jewelry, an amazing jewelry company because surrender to the festival. I met Joe at a festival, but the, the idea of, you know, a festival, it's like spontaneous and it's adventure. Like you, I try, I used to try and like plan out my experiences there and it's like, no, go with the flow. And that's same with life. You know, that, that whole thing, like so many women come to me struggling with like, I'm not where I thought I would be. My life doesn't look how I think it should look what is this shit that we, you know and the timeline this insidious timeline that and men don't have this in the same way they might have it around success and money you know because men can have kids at 70 they don't have the same pressure women have but the problem is that pressure which you know it is a biological thing of course although i really believe women's bodies are it's not even just believe it's it's certainly the case women's bodies are evolving to have babies later because of how much has changed for women in the last god like really just a few decades. Anyway, I digress. But I think like what you were saying about the twists and turns, when I look at my 20s, my God, it was crazy twists and turns. But when I look at my 30s, there have been twists and turns too, but they've they've been less dramatic because I've done enough work on myself that I don't do such bloody stupid things anymore. I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But I think that's it. I think our 20s have become this sort of decade that we are exploring and we're playing and we learn often what doesn't work so well in life. And then by the time you hit your thirties, depending on where you are, but this was my experience, you're kind of a lot clearer on who you are, what you want, what you don't, doesn't work for you. And, and really it's about stepping into that power and realizing that, you know, I've got um, a chapter in my book, Love is Coming, because basically once this is what's relevant to your podcast, I overheard someone in the toilet saying, oh yeah, like, after the age of 30, a woman's perceived value goes down whilst a man goes up. And I was so livid about that. And I literally wrote this chapter. I was like, no, I'm like a fine wine. I get better every year because I do. Like I was, fuck- you would rather be dating me in my mid thirties than my mid twenties. Trust me. <laughs> 100%. And this is exactly what I wanted to, to dive into. So thank you for already bringing it up. I wanted to dive into this perception that so many women have that if you've not found love by X date, which usually is, let's say for each person it's different, but it's between the age of 30 and 35, mm-hmm. then, then they're on the shelf, you know, they're never going to find love again. It's like you said, these insidious t- 
timelines that we have to stick to. And I want to call bullshit on it. It's not true. It's absolutely not true. I for sure can say that I found myself single at the age of 34, first time being single in my 30s one year ago. And dating is so much better now. And before I was single, I was terrified. I came out of a four-year relationship and something that really held me in the relationship was this perception of, but men won't want to date me if I'm that age. I think I just want to have kids straight away and I won't be able to have fun and be curious and meet people. And it's just not true. So I really agree with everything you're saying. And let's unpick that more because I would love to hear your experience as a dating coach. I know you actually um, run a, a one-on-one program, I think, for leaders. Yeah. So for, mm. for women who are successful in their career and maybe not as successful in their love life. So I would love to hear from you your experience about the effects of these timelines and the effects of being a woman in her 30s, what she feels about dating. The first thing I just want to commend you because I can't tell you how rare it is for me to hear what you just said about your experience of like, oh my God, no, it's so much better. Dating is so much better. That is your narrative because everything is stories. Like we all get to choose our story and our perception and our narrative around any given topic. And unfortunately, most women that I encounter, most, not all, have this story that, oh my God, dating is so stressful particularly in your 30s, everything you, you'd already just said there, that really common things I hear from women. And actually, so much of my work is around, we, I mean, it, there's a lot of deep healing work, looking back at your childhood and seeing like, okay, what was going on there that has created really unhealthy patterns in my love life? Because it's always rooted in childhood. But then that then leads to the set of assumptions that we make, these set of limiting beliefs that like no one else is holding a gun to our head telling us, You've got to believe this, but we choose to believe it. And we are never, we, we can only ever attract or manifest into our life what we believe we can. So if your story, if you keep repeatedly telling yourself, dating stressful, no men are going to be interested, I'm over the hill, blah, 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 all of the things that I understand why we say that, because it's subliminally, not even that, like very overtly in many ways, put on us daily on social media, normal media, everywhere. And that's why, you know, this work is so important because it's like, you need to change your story. You need to take responsibility for how you're showing up because if you just sit and keep blaming the world for your shitty love life, nothing will change. And that's why I'm like, listen, if I can change my story and my love life, guaranteed is is like, when people read my book, they're like, yeah, shit, I thought I was worse than you. And then I read your book. (laughs) And I'm thinking, but that's the point is that you realize, God, I can change it because I, I stopped blaming everyone else. I stopped being a victim and I stopped blaming men for ghosting because let me tell you if men are ghosting you there is there is I'm gonna say there's a reason for it it's not that you're doing something wrong it's that you're doing things that are unhelpful there's stuff going on when you take ownership and are honest with yourself firstly about what you desire what your boundaries are and you learn how to communicate them effectively with men that shit won't happen to you anymore trust me like I've literally worked with so many women around this and they can't believe it like so I think that's another thing. I think that the, the messages out there about just demonizing men around, oh, they just ghost and lie and cheat. I was way worse than any man I've ever been with. So we have to realize these are judgments, they're assumptions, and they do not serve us. So going back to the timeline you were talking about, so this is the, the reason I created Love for Leaders, which is my one-to-one very intensive program over four months, was because I've worked with a lot of different women from different situations over the years but I was finding that more and more as uh, particularly as sort of my 
my book came out and, and the podcast, I, I was starting to get more women who were very successful, like super fucking successful in their work life and completely clueless as to why their love life was just not working. And those women had a lot of the same issues as, you know, women who might not identify as high achieving or super successful, but they also had a set of other problems that were going on. And, and a big part of why they struggled so much was that feeling of failure, which I can really relate to as a overachiever myself. Like no one likes to feel like a failure, but if you are used to winning in your career, essentially, it makes it all the more painful and sort of more of a sting when you experience that disappointment. And a lot of it is around the perception to your friends and family of, Oh my God, they're going to think I'm a failure. And all it is, it's like, you're not a failure. You've just been doing some things that aren't serving you, but you don't realize that we don't, that's why I have to, I always will have coaching myself because we can only know what we know. We can't see our blind spots. We have to, if you want to make shifts, you've got to work with someone who's been where you are out the other side of it and has got the results you want. I think that's like my baseline for coaching. So it is, it's that, it's that feeling of failure that comes from, I'm not where I think I should be in life. And it doesn't look how I think it should look. And when I say to, to women, what if other people didn't exist. So, so forget that was going on. You didn't have to worry about the perception. How would you be, how would you feel about being single today? And they're like, well, I'd be fine with it. So interesting. It's so interesting. Cause this is again about that 30 perception of I am X age and therefore I must go and find a partner. And I admit, hold my hands up that when I came out of this relationship, it was like, right, guns blazing. I'm ready. I'm here. I'm going to date and I'm going to meet the right person. And after a month of dating, I was like, hold up. <laughs> I don't actually want to date right now. I want to date myself. You know, I've not been yeah. single for a really long time. And it was all the voices around you, you know, the family members saying, oh, you know, you're getting yourself back out there. And the friends being like, come on, back on the horse. And it's so important to listen to yourself and be like, just because you're a certain age does not mean you have to now date. So that's a great question to ask a client that you just said, if other people weren't putting pressure on you or weren't you know, telling you to subscribe to this need to date and meet someone, would you still want to do it? Mm-hmm. And do most of these, do most is, is usually the answer to the question that they want to date or they enjoy being single or is it usually... I think that the most of the pain, like obviously we desire connection and, and a partnership and building like that's, that's one thing. And I totally get that. But I, what I say is, okay, so you might want that, but right now, would it be painful to you knowing that that's coming in the future? No, it's all around what people are thinking. That's, that's where the real is the shame because desiring a relationship, there's no shame around that unless you choose for it to be the shame comes from what will people think of me? They'll think, you know, things I hear, they'll think I'm, I'm worried of coming across as desperate. I'm worried people will think I'm not good enough to, to have a partner that no one wants me. I'm, you know, the, the shame of going to a family event and being the only single one, you know, and going, get your friends getting engaged and you feeling left behind. And so something else I go into in my book, it's like, but left behind from what? Because where is everyone else going? You never like, it's this, this is what life has become a series of ticking boxes. And let me tell you, right. I've experienced this in this last year. I've ticked a lot of boxes. I bought the house in the dream location, bought the dog, bought the car, having not driven for a decade, got the book out, like tick, 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 you know, and this year has been the hardest year I've had, even though from the outside, so many people will be like, Oh my God, but you're, you're killing it. But, but 
you know, what's that saying? It's like, you know, success on the outside doesn't mean anything if there's not success on the inside. And I've, you know, like all of us, COVID and there's been family stuff. There's been a lot, like I, I found this a challenging year for myself. And so listen, I've had, cl- I've got clients in their sixties who go on to find love. That's just a side note. So you can find love at any, any point or rather love can find you at any point. You don't need to go looking for it. But ultimately what it all comes down to is your relationship with you because everything else in your life will be a reflection of your relationship with you. And when you get that strong, you can't help but magnetize the right people at the right time. But the key is it's like loving where you are, creating a life for yourself that is so abundant and wonderful, not perfect. You're going to have shit days because that's we're human, but for the most part feels great to you. And you put your energy into cultivating that and cultivating an incredible relationship with yourself. All those other things will come about when the time is right. You don't have to force it. You don't have to manipulate it. And you certainly don't have to choose or accept this narrative, which says that you should feel less than because you are single. The majority of men do not feel this way. They don't have that same experience. But us women, how do we change it? We don't change it by getting a relationship. Because even when you get the relationship, let me tell you, the goalpost will just move. Because then it's about when are we going to move in together? When are we going to get engaged? When are we going to get married? When are we going to get pregnant? You know, there's always something else. So how do you feel in your relationship with you today? That's it. That's all we need to ask ourselves. What can you do to love yourself a little bit more, have a bit more compassion for yourself? so that you can therefore be a better partner. The message of my book and really my work in general is we need to stop looking outside of ourselves for the partner we want to get. And we need to start looking inside of ourselves for the partner we want to be. Absolutely love that. Feel like needs to be put on like a plaque on the wall. (laughs) (laughs) On a billboard somewhere. Yes, you should definitely work on that. No, I really, really love that. And absolutely, I'm just, I know I've not got the video uh, on for others to see, but nodding along with everything you're saying, I just couldn't, I think it's so, so true. So I want to get really practical because I really use this podcast as a way to give my listeners some practical advice. So we've been talking a lot about the narratives and changing dating mindset and that being the place to start and really looking at yourself and the stories. And you mentioned also the childhood, you know, looking back in the past and seeing patterns. But if I was your client, let's just say, just trying to wangle some free dating coaching here. <laughs> let's just say I was. And I came to you and I said, okay, Persia, I really... I want to get out there, I want to start dating. What should I do first? Like where, where would you start? I would start by, well, I would ask, I, would, I'd, I think it's really important to understand your context. So when people say to me, I want to get into dating, I'm like, okay, but are you ready to do that? Mm-hmm. So my book is split into three sections, heal, attract, commit. People just want to know, how do I attract and get the guy to commit? But listen, you can, you can attract the guy And you might even get them to commit, but it won't be sustainable or you will keep like, this is what I kept doing is like the pattern. You'll just keep bringing up the same old bloody patterns again and again and again. But if you haven't done that healing work, then you're just going to keep getting stuck. So the first thing I would do is, is really reflect over your past relationships. Mm. What was the reason that each ended? What did those exes have? I mean, this is something I go into in my program, but what, what is it those exes had in common? What is it that was different about those exes? Start to, start to look for the patterns and then start to look at, okay, so what were the big mistakes I've made in my love life over the years? Start to look for the patterns there. And then it becomes a case of how is your relationship with you right now? 
can you list a hundred things that you love about yourself? If not, you need to do that before you go on a date. You know, a date was essentially marketing yourself, but that's how, you know, understandably, if you're, if you're going out and you're, you're wanting to be in your power, you need to fucking think you're a catch. And not just like, oh, I, you know, I like my legs, like, <laughs> like who you are as a person, you know, deeper than that. So it's working on your self-worth. It's getting really clear around what are your boundaries? What is and what isn't acceptable to you? It's about getting really clear on what type of relationship do I want? What type of people do I want to date? And I'm not just talking about, oh, they need to have this job. Like, forget the externals. How do you want them to make you feel? How do you want the date to feel? And then finally, yeah, it really is. Okay, so you're, this is essentially, I'm just taking through the modules of my program there. But that is what gets you prepared to go into dating with your best foot forward instead of, yeah. otherwise what happens is you go into dating and you just accept all sorts of shitty behavior. You are putting on a performance. You don't show up as yourself because you don't really know who that is. And you're guessing what, what a guy might like. You also need to learn like skills around communicating, like nonverbal and verbal communication, like what is effective in a dating context. You know, there are so many little elements that, you know, I, I, I mean, I go into these in my book as well, but, let me give you something practical from the middle of the book. Because if you want something practical, because I know that that's all the deep work. And that's yeah, why this work yeah. is so important. So let me give you just, you want to get into the energy of dating in a, successfully. You've got to be feeling playful. You've got to be feeling light. You've got to be having fun. So music is such a, like the fastest tool you can use. Like even when you're getting ready for a date, put on your favorite upbeat tunes that just make you feel great put on your makeup you know really give yourself a beautiful experience before you go on a date i i have this thing called goddess hour where i'll take an hour like to be honest i'll do this at the end of the work day before the evening you know take a long bath light candles incense maybe have a glass of wine or a lovely herbal tea you know even cooking can be part of that it's it's doing these activities but doing it with the intention of it's it's like dating yourself so that's what i'd say a really practical thing is take yourself on some fucking great dates so like preparing for the date like i was just talking about even if you're just going to take yourself for a date to a museum or, or whatever it is you want to do prepare for that date like you would that you were going to meet the love of your life because you are the love of your life so treat yourself exceptionally and then, yeah, take yourself on, on dates, get good at dating yourself. Like, why should anyone else take you on a fabulous date if you're not willing to do that for yourself? Everything we want from someone else, we have to be willing to first give ourselves. I could not agree with that more. It's something I also do in my, in my coaching program is I make my clients date themselves because if you're not happy to be alone, you know, to own that, to be like, okay, I want to spend time with myself alone today. I'm happy yeah. to have a night in because something that I hear a lot, you know, I think a really big thing about being in your thirties and let's be even more specific, kind of 32, 33 plus a lot of your friends, colleagues, acquaintances are in partnerships. And it can often be that you are one of very few single friends, if not the only single friend. And I think the loneliness piece can be a really big mm. deal here. So mm -hmm. people go out in search of relationships and sometimes even use dating as a tool to feel less lonely. Yeah. And I think there's a really big problem with that because then you almost putting your, the power of your loneliness or the way that you feel about spending time with yourself in the hands of a person that you don't know, often from an app. Yeah. You know, somebody you've never even met before. It's, it's, it's difficult when you start to do that and you refuse to spend time by yourself, often because you're avoiding feelings, you're avoiding kind of processing what's going on with you. You just want to, you know, don't want to spend time alone because that will be too difficult. 
yeah instead of having to go out there and, and and instead of going out there and just pretending that it didn't happen um, which is why I just want to touch on this because I think and you may have been about to say this I think communities are so important because like you're right like the reality is not all your friends are coupled up but the majority may well be so this yeah. is the thing this is why like the women in like I've got various different communities at different sort of levels depending where you're at but I think it's so important because otherwise like you said you can feel so alone but it's important not just to you want to be surround yourself with people who are working on improving that area of your their life they're not just sitting whinging about it because you will not grow there but having women who really get where you're coming from are on the same journey as you and they, they all like so I've got a program called get your soulmate and they so I call them all the soulmates and they're like I came here to find you know my my romantic soulmate and what I've got is so a lot of them do but they also say I have found like a whole tribe of soulmates, like my best, some of my best friends. Like I'm, I'm actually, I'm a, I'm a trained wedding celebrant and I'm marrying one of them the week before I supposed to get married next year. And there's a load of the soulmates going to the wedding. And yes, yeah, so mm. I'm, I'm like the celebrant at it. And she was single when she, when I first encountered her and then she did my program at this guy. And, and it's just so lovely because, you know, you realize that it's who you surround yourself with is, is going to have the biggest impact on how you feel about yourself in so many ways, but also like where you are at in life. So when you're surrounded by women who are in kind of the same boat as you, but working on it, it's like, this is not a bad thing. And we're not, I'm not the only one, you know, at all. And also there's so many other things. Like, obviously I think relationships are very important, but there's a lot of other really important things in life, but we make it the be all and end all. Exactly. This really links back to what I was just saying about how you make dating about not experiencing that loneliness. So when you have a tribe of women, exactly as you said who are this community who are working on themselves in that way you almost you don't feel that graspiness about dating as much because then it links back to the working on yourself first and that was something that I really experienced last year after around five six months of kind of dipping in and out of dating and then being like well actually I'm it's not really for me right now still healing and, and processing the breakup I then set an intention for the start of this year of 2021 and I said you know, I don't even care about finding love this year. I want to find really deep, meaningful friendships with women Mm. or men. And I, from there, have manifested so many amazing friendships that now, only now do I feel like, okay, now I could actually bring a love into my life because my life is full and it wouldn't be just trying to bring that jigsaw piece of a person in to then fill all those things up. So I think, you know, it's so important, just as you were saying, is not just to find friends but to find the people who are on the same path as you yes a hundred percent you know it really is I'm also just about to launch a a group program for women in their 30s who are single who Mm. want to find this community and Mm. I just think that it's sometimes like you said it's better than being in a relationship being surrounded by uh, a group of amazing people a group of amazing women and I really believe that amazing things can happen and then if you find a relationship from that amazing amazing and if not then you're still with people anyway so mm-hmm. who there you go yeah there you go amazing so what else in terms of dating what patterns do you see that women in their 30s you know we've talked a lot about the feeling of being left behind are there mm-hmm. any other stories that you think women tell themselves in their 30s? all the good men are already taken that was what i was thinking <laughs> <laughs> all the good men already taken no one will want me now i'm divorced or have kids because obviously mid-30s that's the case for a fair number of 
people. What else do I hear? Yeah, all men are lies and cheats. Let's talk a bit about the all the good men are taken because I would say yeah. that's my most that's my most popular one that I hear. Yeah, with my clients is yeah. in my area. I've swiped everyone who's a potential, and there's no one left. So this comes back to what story you're telling yourself. If you believe that, then that is what you will experience. I have a story. Now this is going to make me sound really obnoxious, but I'm going to just say it. I've always been pretty confident socially, certainly in a like a night out. And my main group of girls, we're all the same. So we were used to every time we went out, boyfriends or not, we'd always get hit on or get attention from men. And it became because, you know, beliefs are just whatever we keep repeating to ourselves day in, day out. And then when you experience that and it becomes belief. So I now it's like if I go out, it's just an expectation that has nothing to do with how I look or anything else. It's simply that's been my experience. And then you come to expect it. So that is my story. So, so the reason I say this is there's, I've had a lot of women who are like, oh, when I go out, I'm always the one in the corner. No one ever pays me attention. But I'm like, yeah, so how are you showing up? I show up being like, not like I used to be out like trying to get attention. Now I don't need, I don't try and get attention. I've, like I've got a relationship, but even if I didn't, even when I didn't, it was about like, I just show up unapologetically as myself and I have fun and I'm present in the experience and I'm not doing what I used to do, which is a cool catting for cock where you're like looking around for someone, you know, like I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm having a good time. And people are attracted to authentic confidence, but confidence is, is absolutely like, look, some people may be inherently more so, but it is, there's so many elements of it that are skills that can be learned. So in the same way, if you have this, belief that all the best ones are taken how are you showing up when you go on a date just in your day-to-day life because I've had clients you know another story you can only meet people on dating apps and I fucking hate dating apps you know so so many of my clients think that when they come to work with me and then they end up meeting their partners in like the most ridiculously synchronistic magical way I'm like if you keep telling yourself that the only way people can meet nowadays is dating apps like what a load of rubbish human beings have been meeting procreating for thousands of years before dating apps so you you have got to realize that everything you're saying that you are assuming or taking as gospel is not it is not ultimately true any of these stories so are you willing to take responsibility and do the work around reframing and and writing a different narrative around them because that's the only way you're going to shift your experience you cannot attract something amazing especially if you've never experienced that before from the the place you are if you're feeling stuck and rubbish and like not believing it's possible because as i said earlier we can only manifest what we believe we can manifest so this is where the work comes in i can't even remember what the original question was i think i was asking i just said let's dive into this belief that uh, women in their 30s have about all the good men yeah so so not true there's a lot of people who got divorced, uh, got married in their early 20s and got divorced. So there's like, there's all of those people. But also like, there's billions of people in the world. There are so there are many people so in the world. many people. There's too many people in the world. There are tons of amazing single guys or girls, whatever you're into, out there. But until you really believe that, you're not going to experience it. So, so again, my belief is, oh my God, when I go out, me and my friends, we will always be hit on by a group of single guys. And we always are because we expect to be like that. You can't swing a cat for like a loaded group of single guys out in London. Yes. There might be a few that have a relationship, but 
it's just not true. Again, I've, I've seen it, like the evidence of so many clients ending up with incredible guys in their late 30s, early 40s, and beyond, as I said, I've got clients in their mid-60s. Mm-hmm. So you've got, to, you've got to bust through these myths because they are myths. They're not gospel. They really are myths, and it's just so important to have these conversations and to remind women that they are myths. And I, I want to also pick up on the dating app thing just before mm-hmm. we finish to talk about the dating apps because it's funny, what I see is that clients say, I hate dating apps. They're awful. No one wants to meet anyone on them. I don't want to date on a dating app. And then I say, okay, so go out and meet someone in real life. Well, there's no way I can meet somebody in real life. So I'm like, so you're just saying now that there's just an impossibility of meeting somebody. Yeah. And I hear it so, so much. So what do you say to people who, I guess, are contentious about the ability to meet someone on, an, on, on a dating app? These days? I say you're keeping yourself stuck because actually you're terrified of a real relationship. Ooh. Because we, you know, as humans, we're always drawn to what's familiar, even if that's shit, because it's better the devil, you know, we, that's just how we are wired as humans. So you might be single, have been single for years, and you might complain about it till the cows come home, but it's familiar and it feels safe. So when you're saying things like, you know, and I've done this in other areas of my life where it's like, basically, like you said, it's like you, you, you're putting yourself in a position where you cannot win because you're saying, can't meet people in real life. Oh, I don't want to do dating apps. Okay, so you're just going to stay stuck and whinge then. You're going to have to realize that to get anything you want in life is probably going to require you to get outside your comfort zone. Because as I said, it, like the place you're in isn't working. Otherwise, you wouldn't be feeling stuck. And actually, again, this is not about being single means you're stuck. If you're single and you're loving being single and you're genuinely happy, you're not whinging and complaining about it, then you're not stuck. So, and listen, I've had tons of clients as well in relationships who are miserable and feel stuck. So what I believe is we don't need them. Humans beings have been procreating for years, thousands of years without them. However, they are a handy tool and they're a really handy tool to practice communicating, showing up in your love life. And, and also for having fun, you've got to have your own boundaries around your usage of them. Because what I see often is, and totally understand this, they have been designed to be addictive, like social media. And so it's really important that you decide like what your boundaries are around your, literally your interaction with them. There's, I've heard of this new dating app actually called Thursday. And you can only like message on Thursday or something, which I think if I was dating again now and I did go on a dating app, although I probably wouldn't bother. But if I did, I'd probably use that because I'm like, great. And I have to think about it the rest of the week. Yeah, it's um, really great. Actually, I met, I met somebody, somebody in my, one of my courses, he met his latest girlfriend through this app. And he was telling me about how it was really interesting, how you just keep Thursday nights free and then you would speak right. to them. And the weaker, then it will be you're only allowed to do it on a Thursday. And it worked for him. I think the first person he met became his girlfriend. So. Oh, wow. Great. So we should get a little plug there for I know, Thursday. A little, bit of promo, a little bit of promo for Thursday. There you go. <laughs> exactly. I think that's it. I think it's realizing it's a tool, but it's not a be all and end all. And yes, yeah, so many of my clients have, have used dating apps and, and shown up for them of like, right, I'm going to apply all the work I've learned with Persia and I'm going to interact and use these apps in a much healthier way but then they end up meeting someone in real life and I think what that's about not I think I know it's because they're in a different energy and they're not it's like you you can choose to find it stressful and overwhelming or you can be a grown-up and have some boundaries around it and stick to them it's like anything in life yeah I think I have this new theory with dating apps that I've developed in the past year of using them is that you have to be in the right mindset to use them and if you can go on them exactly like you said and see them as 
a tool, a kind of, I see it as like, let, let's be curious and see what happens. It's a bit of um, a way to meet some new people. And I'm not going to put pressure that I have to meet my future husband on this app. Mm-hmm. And if I'm in a bad state of mind around dating in general or in a low, like a low energy about myself, I don't go near the apps. The apps can yes. be ruthless. And so it's yes. just about knowing yourself well enough to know, okay, am I feeling good enough about myself to now go on and play this game, which is mm-hmm. kind of what it is. Uh, and I think what happens is that when we put pressure on the app to bring that big love, it just, they are brutal. Let's be honest. They can be brutal and they can be ruthless. And it's about being in the right frame of mind going into it. Completely, completely. Amazing. So any other tips for single listeners who are kind of following along and agreeing with what we're saying, anything that you would like? uh, Yeah, I'm going to give you an unexpected one. This comes from being, used to be an actress and I did English Lit Uni, so I'm a bit of a thespian. (laughs) Um, This is from my book as well. This is essentially about romancing yourself. We've talked a bit about this already, taking yourself on dates. But as part of that endeavor, I suggest going online or even better, ordering yourself a book of Shakespeare's sonnets or sonnets in general. I could, I'm not going to bore you with all the inf- I did my dissertation on sonnets <laughs> at university. So I could tell you a lot about them, but I won't bore you with it now. But what I'll say is, look, they, what you need to know is they are the language of love. They were written in a very specific way. And when you read them, they're so powerful. And, and actually, yeah, they're, they're just, they're beautiful. It's all about, you know, they, they use for the most part, they'll use iambic pentameter, which mirrors the heartbeat. So there's something about when you read it, you know, think of Shakespeare's, shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. There's just something about that using language like that, which we don't do these days. When you speak it out loud, especially if you're not used to it, you know, obviously I'm, I'm used to doing that because that's what I did, went to drama school and all that. But if you're not used to speaking those words, it'll feel really weird at the beginning. But you'll actually be like, oh, gosh, this feels quite amazing. And it feels something just like really very powerful about words and speaking words that have been crafted so exquisitely as sonnets, the, the, the poetry of love. So I like to, I just think, you know, it's good to mix things up and it's good to get creative. But the most important thing is, is, you know, what gets you into a state of feeling attractive, a feeling magnetic, a feeling in that energy of romance and do those things. So we've given a few examples, but really when you start to romance yourself, you will find you don't even need to go on a date nap. When you go out, like you will just find there's something different and you can't explain what it is. There's just a different energy. And, and it also just sparks up a bit of a different conversation on a date. Like have, have something interesting to say on a date and don't go and just make it up. Like go and do interesting shit so that you've got interesting stuff to say. And you're not doing it for the sake of the date. You're doing it for yourself. But that's just a little cherry on the top. Oh, I love that. So that's everyone's homework for this week is to go and buy Shakespeare's sonnets and also to go and do interesting shit. Love that exactly. as the last piece of advice. Just always do interesting shit and then you're going to attract love. There you go. <laughs> Honestly, listen, become the person that you would want to date. Yes. Another one, another plaque on the wall. I'm going to have, like, I'm gonna have a, like three different Persia plaques on the wall <laughs> with different pieces of advice. I really love it. Thank you so, so much, Persia, for coming on the podcast today. It's been really amazing talking to you and to your gorgeous little cockapoo. And I know that you've mentioned about your book already and you've got a few different offerings. So for all of the listeners who want to go out and find a little bit more about you, where, where can they find you? 
the best place to go is my website, persialawson.com, which has all of the information about my various programs. And you can get my book on there. The book's called also on Amazon, Love is Coming, How to Find Real Love in a Superficial World. It's not a self-help book. It sounds like, it. I mean, it, it is and it isn't, but it's, it's very inappropriate stories. <laughs> very funny, some very sad, but but there's, there's tools and there's lessons, but I didn't want to do it as a traditional self-help book like the first book was, The Ineffects. But yeah, everything's on the website and I'm very active on Instagram at Persia Lawson. Amazing. And I do recommend everyone to go and take a listen to Persia's podcast because I'm a, oh, very, yes. <laughs> I'm a very, very fussy podcast listener. I literally have like five podcasts that I can actually listen to and I really, really enjoy it. So thank you very okay. much for putting that out in the world and thank you for coming on and I'll see everyone on the podcast next week. 